Hola, best friend. Hola. Welcome to uh, back to the podcast. Um, we haven't been active in a while. AP exams happened. Life really happened. Online school hit us hard. We're yeah. done with that now. Thank, thank God it's over. It's over. Puts the Carson. This is all like, you picked everything for this podcast. I don't know how much to say I have. That's okay. It's fine. Cool with it. So, what are we gonna talk about, bro? No, it's fine, Nick. Um, so what we got today is we got we're gonna run down some way too early NFL predictions for next season, and then we're gonna talk about Survivor season forty. We're gonna have my cousin Montana. That's cute. Best for this portion. Never met him. Seems like a cool guy though. I think he follows me on Instagram. Yeah, he's really cool. He's a cool guy. All right. So uh, do you want to go ahead and get to NFL predictions? Sure. Why not? All right. Okay, I'll talk NFL, buddy. What do you think? All right, so you want me to just um, give you... Run it down. Enlighten me. All right. I'll just give you my um, uh, projected division winners uh, to start off with. Okay, speak. Enlighten me. All right, so... For the AFC North, I have the Baltimore Ravens easily winning that division. Um, the Steelers and the Browns will be good as well. The Bengals will be will get better, but I don't see anyone else winning this division other than the Ravens. Lamar Jackson had a breakout year last year. He won the MVP award. They didn't get to the AFC Championship game. They lost to the Titans in the divisional round, but I expect the Ravens to be very good this year. Nice. I, as you know, I'm not very knowledgeable. I'm just rooting for whoever is most likely to lose, as usual. So you're rooting for the, um, let's see, Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, that's who I'm rooting for. That's going to be my team this year. All right. You should root for the Panthers because they're not going to be very good this year. I have, I have them going six and ten. Um, I'm more of a. I mean, the Browns were my favorite team, as you know, for a very long time because they were terrible. I have them making the playoffs this year. Uh, so that's a first. Yeah, I have them going um, nine and seven and sneaking into that playoffs. They get a tiebreaker over the Steelers and get in. Nice, nice, very nice. Mm-hmm. So for the AFC South, I'm going to pick our next door neighbors statewide. And oh God! Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans. I'm, I don't know much about them. Maybe but they're, maybe. they're titans, you know. If, we, if we're doing this based on mascots, titans are human and probably have superhuman strengths. And panthers are just wild animals, so <laughs> you know. But yeah, um, they got in the playoffs last year as a wild card team. They beat the Patriots and the Ravens both on the road, so everyone expects them to be pretty good, uh, mostly because of Derrick Henry. But let's be real, Derrick Henry's a beast, so. And yeah. I have two wildcard teams out of the AFC South. I have the Indianapolis Colts, now with Philip Rivers, and I have the Houston Texans, who made the playoffs last year. And the Jaguars are not going to be good at all. Nick, you have any thoughts? Uh, you know, as you know, again, I'm not very knowledgeable in NFL football, but, you know, anything can happen. Life's unpredictable. Um, so, you never know. But Nick, guess who I do not have winning the AFC East? 
the Atlanta Falcons, I guess, right? No. That, the, this, is why, this is why Nick needs sport le- sports lessons. But yeah. For the first Nick time. Nick spends too much time watching Netflix. That's, that's the problem right there. But yeah, for the first time since I in I don't know how many years, the New England Patriots will not win their division. Huh. What a shame. Yeah, Tom Brady is just a traitor, truly. Why did he do that? Why do that to his people up in New England? He's just been there for 20 years, and it's like, he's gone now. And he's He, he, he went to Florida, he went for the sunny weather and the beach. I don't know. It's just my guess. Nick, this is why. He wants to prove that he can win without co- his head coach, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick head- seems like a nice guy, though. <laughs> dog is nice. I mean, he just looks like a nice guy. It's kind of like a nice grandpa. He's really old. <laughs> he looks like he's like... He looks like a nice grandpa. I don't see why Tom Brady needs to prove he doesn't need him, because everyone needs that kind of person in their lives. Yeah. He, Bill Belichick is probably, like, wise. He's, like, um, kind of a... Um, who am I thinking? It's kind of like Ron Swanson kind of vibe going for him, you know? Yeah. Or, like, Creed from The Office. But, honestly... I have the Buffalo Bills winning this division. Um, I think they're going to be really good, but to be real, their schedule is really tough. They play a bunch of tough opponents, such as the Seahawks, 49ers. So I actually have them going 10-6. and six. Not yeah. something like that. Um, I still expect the Patriots to be good next year because like, they still got a good defense. They still got one of the best coaches of all time. So I have them going 7-9. and nine which honestly seems pretty accurate. You're a very smart and very smart person, intelligent person, Carson. You're going to be right. I can just sense it. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins will get better as well. They got a new quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. I can't tell you how many times I've mispronounced his name, but... This pronoun- what matters is that you tried. That's yeah, what matters is that you tried. Efforts is what matters. And then the Jets... Yeah, I only have I have I have them going six and ten. Um, nice. And getting last place in the division. Sorry, Chris. I know you're a big Jets fan, but this is my prediction. I wanted them in the playoffs, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I'm a Jets fan this season. It's official. I saw the pick my team for this. <laughs> Changing your teams left and right, Nick. Yeah, I always I change every day. I always I always like to root for the underdog in everything, unless it's the Atlanta Falcons. Besides the oh, point, Nick. <laughs> it's the only one time I never rooted for an underdog. Nick. Was, that was 2016, right? 2017, something like that. Nick, you're you're literally the opposite of a bandwagon. I know, right? All right. I'm not. I don't believe in rooting. For, it's not fun to root for a team you know is going to win. It's fun to it's never been fun to root for the favored person, you know? It's just my opinion on life here. It's never fun to root for, like, the favorite in, like, you know, sports, elections, whatever. It's always good to root for the person who's virtually given no chance at win. Yeah. That's what I always do. Alright. Not always for the right. I mean, sometimes because, you know, I really like that team or really like that person. Other times, not so much. Other times, just because one or what. <laughs> Alright. AFC West, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. 
Patrick Mahomes is a beast. Andy Reid is a great coach. Yeah, Chiefs are winning this division. And um, honestly, their division sucks. I mean, the Broncos and Chargers are going to get better. But yeah, this is the Raiders' first year in Vegas. So they're going to have to do, get a couple years in. So, Nick, do you have any thoughts? Well, the Raiders are in Vegas this year, so they better keep their gambling under control. <laughs> they better keep that under control. Vegas. It's my only thought, really. Do you think the Chargers will... Um, how do you think the Chargers will do without Philip Rivers? Um, they, you know, uh, they put their minds to it and work their hardest. They can do anything. Yeah, I mean, now they have Tyrod Taylor and they drafted Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. Um, so, the Chargers will get better quarterback-wise, um, but I still don't have them making the playoffs. I have them going 7-9. The Broncos should get better, um, but I don't have them making the playoffs yet for next year at least. Yeah. So, let's go to the, let's go to the NFC now. Oh, wow, there's a lot of teams. There's 32 teams in, in the NFL, Nick. Come on. Uh, it's okay. All right. So, for the NFC North, I have the Green Bay Packers winning the division at 10-6. and six. They went 13-3 last year, but um, they have a pretty tough schedule this year. So, I'm going 10-6. and six. I have the Vikings going 8-8. Eight and eight. And they don't make they don't get in the playoffs as a wild card to the second place team. So Nick, do you have any thoughts? Nope. Nick doesn't have anything for this one. <laughs> Alright. Well we're gonna get to the Panthers division next. So Oh, I thought they were the same. I thought they were in the NFC. Whatever. No, they are in the NFC. Oh, uh, they are. Okay, let's get to it though. This is the NF this is the NFC, we just did the AFC. Oh. Well, enlighten me. Just enlighten me. Alright, so for the NFC South, I have the New Orleans Saints winning the division at a solid 12-4 and record. And then I have a wild card team out of that division with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 11-5. Tom Brady's really going to carry them. And remember, the Buccaneers honestly weren't, aren't, weren't, what am I trying to say? They weren't really that bad of a team last year, it's just that Jameis Winston was their quarterback, and he threw, like, I don't know, over 30 interceptions or something. He, he threw more than that. He threw, just know that he threw a bunch of interceptions. Um, if he would have thrown half as many interceptions, they could have been closer to an 8 or 9 win team. Yeah. More than that. I see my brother. Okay, that sounds stupid. <laughs> that sounds stupid. <sighs> I'm really tired today, Carson. I don't even know why. It's, I think I might have done too much online school. That's what it is. <laughs> Alright. To be real with you, I do not have the Panthers finishing last in their division, despite that it's Matt Rule's first year. I have them going 10 and 6. Uh, not 10 and 6. 6 and 10. And oh, I like the, that. We like that. They get the third place tie over. They. Blah, third place tiebreaker over the Atlanta Falcons who also go 6-10. and 10. So. Yeah, they might not do that. They might do better if they set their really really work hard. Well, Matt, Matt Rule's team, here's the thing. Matt Rule's team's always suck in their first year and then after that, Matt Rule's just a beast. So. 
we'll see. Whatever happens, you know. Life is unpredictable. Hey, anything can happen. All right. The NFC East, arguably one of the worst divisions in sports because it has two really bad teams and two just bad teams. So... A lot of people are going to think the Eagles are going to win this division. I actually have the Cowboys winning this division. I don't know why. I just hope the Cowboys better. Um, I had had the Eagles going 9-7, but they don't get in as a wild card team because the NFC is going to be really tough next year. And then the Giants and Redskins still get better. Uh, I don't. Are we, Carson? Are we having some technical difficulties here? No. Oh no! I thought we were. I don't know. It's not uh, like remember when Hager Moser technical <laughs> technical difficulties. That's a deep tech. That's not how we have a repeat of our technical difficulties. But that's okay. Keep going. Right. Keep speaking, my dude. All right, but Nick, I'm gonna ask you something. If you were to sacrifice, yes. If you were to sacrifice one NFL team to end coronavirus, who would it be, and why the Cowboys? Uh, that's not a fair question, first of all, but, well, I would sacrifice, um, huh. yeah, I really don't care for the Arizona Cardinals, like, I just don't care about them, they're not one I really hear about too much and don't care for, so, you know, yeah, them, not great reasoning, but, you know, <laughs> as we all know, Nick is not the most knowledgeable person when it comes to the NFL. It's no problem, Nick. All right, last division, NFC West. This is the toughest division in football. Who will win it? Will the San, will the San Francisco 49ers win it? The team that was just in the Super Bowl? Or will another team win it? I have a good feeling about the 49ers. I just have a good feeling about it, so you know. Well, Nick, you want me to show you my prediction? Sure. All right. The winner of the NFC West... I have the Seattle Seahawks instead of the 49ers. I don't know why. Ooh, I like that. That's a good prediction, my dude. I I expect the 49ers to have a little bit of a Super hangover, but only a little one. Like they went 13 and three last year. I'm thinking 10 and six or 11 and five for them this year. That's just my thinking. And then, you know, redemption is possible. Yeah, and then. They get in as a wild card team, and then there is another wild card team in this division: the Arizona Cardinals, who go nine and seven. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anything, anything can happen. Like, really? Well, Nicholas Willis, anything can happen. Well, that should be my new quote. So I should ditch. Um, you can do anything you set your mind to. That anything can happen. Yeah, you should tell that to the Las Vegas Raiders or the Chicago Bears. <laughs> One of all my new favorite teams. Oh, what a such a, such a mean thing to do. Wait, you, you you know what your real favorite team should be? What? Detroit Lions. Oh, I uh, guess. <laughs> that should be my new favorite team. I don't know. I think I over the second course. I think it's about like five favorite teams. So, you know. And then the Rams? I- I have them going seven and nine and finishing last in the division, which, I mean, it's the toughest division in football right now. Argue with me for that. Yeah. I like that. I think we got some great predictions here, my dude. Yeah. All right. Last off for the Super Bowl. Um, I'm just going to say right now, it's going to be Ravens and Saints. It's going to be. Um, 
I'm rooting for the Saints because they're from the South. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the South, as you know. The South is the best place in America because the South has Bojangles, and that is the best restaurant in America. Yeah. I predict it to be the Ravens beating the Saints. Because, and here's why. Here's why. I'm going to share with you a little bit of a superstition, or maybe not. So, all right, you ready, Nick? Yeah, speak with me. All right. Let me know. Let me, let's share your super, superstition. God, what's All right. The last, the last three years, the Saints have lost in every kind of playoff game except for the Super Bowl. In 2017, they lost in the divisional round. In 2018, they lost in the NFC Championship game. And then in 2019, they lost in the wild card round. It would only be I see. they lost the Super Bowl this year, you know, just to make it full circle. That, that they did? Yeah. And out of all the teams in the AFC that can beat them, um, yeah, I'm thinking the Ravens. So, yeah, I think great stuff Carson. I like it all right like my, my dude yep so next segment is survivor crazy thing right yeah just a little survivor 101 before we interview montana yeah so i, I know the premises whoever survives i think i got it nick's got it um i like that so but you ready to move on to the next section yep all right So, in a minute, we're going to have my cousin, Montana, come in, and I'm going to interview him about the latest Survivor season. Um, It's been a couple weeks since the uh, season finale, but we haven't gotten a chance to record um, after. So, I'm going to give a little Survivor 101 for everyone, because, you know, not everyone watches the show, so I just want to make sure that everyone knows what we're going to be talking about for the last half of this episode so basically it's a reality game show where you got 20 people marooned on an island in Fiji and they got to work together to build a shelter and do other stuff like make food and then every few days they have this thing called an immunity challenge where whoever wins it pretty much has all the power they can't get voted out and so but everyone who who didn't uh, win the immunity goes to tribal council as well as the person who won the immunity and they have to vote someone out and they just keep going that and they just keep doing that until there are three people left and then all the people who got voted out act as a jury and they vote for who played the best game because in Survivor you gotta blindside people you gotta you you know, if you want to win, if you want to win Survivor, you got to blindside people. You got to win immunity. So pretty much, the jury just votes for who they think played their best game and who deserves the um, million dollars. Um, but there are also uh, hidden advantages found in that can be found in the game. Man, I can't talk today. Um, there are hidden. Blah. There are hidden advantages that can be found in the game the most common are hidden immunity idols 
basically, after everyone casts their votes at Tribal Council, you can play it, and any votes cast against you will not count. So it's very interesting. Um, And then this season summed up pretty much was, it was called Winners at War Season 40, and basically what they did was they took 20 um, former winners, and they put them all in a game, and basically... It was answering the question of who was the Survivor Goat. It was a great season, but they also introduced this thing called Fire Tokens, which was very interesting because it acted as like a currency to like get more advantages, but they were used more on the edge, um, more so than in the actual game. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention the Edge of Extinction. Um, the Edge of Extinction is a new... Well, it's not new. It's been around for a couple seasons, but this is the second season that's been used in. Um, it was used first used a couple seasons ago, but basically, after you get voted out, you can go to the edge of extinction where you have to live on an island be- and be bored to death and not pretty much have to make your own food. They don't give you any food. And, yeah, you just have to wait for a shot to get back in the game. Um... And that's where a lot of the fire token stuff was, but, you know, this was the first season fire tokens was in, you know, it's going to be a small amount. So yeah, that's basically survivor 101. Um, I could have done better explaining that to you, but what a, whatever we're about to have Montana on. So let's go to the interview. Good afternoon, Montana. Hey. So, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. The quarantine is get, getting a little shorter now, or what I'm saying is like they're opening things back up, so it shouldn't get uh, nearly as bad. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So, yeah. Uh, first of all, what do you think of Winners at War? Do you think it was worth the hype? Um... Uh, I don't know, sorta, but, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be, like, the ultimate, like, Survivor All-Star game, sort of like, you know, like an ultimate NBA All-Star game. Yeah. And, you know, not every episode was, um, very good, but, you know, that's normal Survivor. You're not going to have a Survivor season and have every episode be awesome. Yeah. Um, so my first question for you is, what did you think of Fire Tokens? Um, I thought um, they were more helpful on the edge. Yeah, definitely. Because in, in game, I no one really, like, used them. Yeah, I think that there should be a, um, well, first off, like, every time I was watching an episode, I would just be like, Okay, yeah, these fire tokens better have a bigger role to play when you're actually in the game. Yeah. Not just on the edge. Like, um, I I really like how for the edge getting back in, you could, like, buy advantages using the fire tokens. Yeah, I thought that was a good little addition. Yeah. I wish that they could have had that for regular immunity challenges. Yes. That would have been really um, interesting if they did that. Yeah. But, you know, 
it's, it was their first season with fire tokens. You know, they got to do baby steps. Yeah. So, second question is, who were you pulling for when the season started? Boston Rob, 100%. Yeah, I was pulling for I was pulling for him, and I was also pulling for Nick when the season started because I like Nick. Yeah. And I, I, I love Boston Rob. I, I like his accent. <laughs> yeah, I love him as well. Um, if you actually go and watch um, season 20, Survivor Heroes versus Villains, you'll actually see a lot of people from this season on the villain side. Rob, yeah. Sandra, Tyson, Parvati, they were all on the villains tribe. Yep. When it started. Um, so it was kind of good just seeing them all again and just seeing them um, play again. But yeah, Boston Rob played before he, well, he never played when Immunity Idols existed. Yeah. And so, I mean, he was kind of playing old school, and that's what, kind of why he got voted out because Adam and Ben kind of didn't like, where they were new school players and then didn't like this old school method. Yeah. Especially Adam. Yeah. So, another question is, do you think Tony deserved the win? Uh, yes. I think he did as well because um, one of the things is winning immunity. Because it, you're, if you're going to get voted out, I mean, if you're a target, that means you're going to get voted out. If you win immunity, you're not going to get voted out. Yep. And that's what Tony did. He won immunity three times in a row. Mhm. I also thought that um Tony did a good job of like he was he he was kind of playing both sides, but he also picked the right time to blindside um um uh, what's her name Sophie Sophie yeah yeah and and what he was really good at is right after he blindsided Sophie I mean Sarah was a little bit was pretty mad at him, but then they were cool pretty yeah pretty close pretty close later on. So, mm-hmm. I think Tony deserved the win. Um, but out of the three, I think Michelle should have gone at least one vote. Because yeah. she won immunity. She was on the bottom, and she got to the final three. So, I think Michelle deserved at least Especially that. in an all-winners edition. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't have been as, like, I, I don't think she would have gotten – any votes like she did this this year if it was just a normal game survivor yeah if it was just a normal game she would have been just like oh i just stayed in this game (laughs) yeah it's not like she's going up against tough opponents yeah so what do you think were the best moments of the season um i thought that like one of the moments that my heart was racing the most was the people to get back in the game from the edge. Yeah. I mean, the in the first challenge, Boston Rob and Tyson were like neck and neck the entire challenge. Yeah, I thought Boston Rob was going to take that, but it did, he didn't, so. Yeah. I also really liked um, when Denise took out. When Denise took out. When she took out Sandra? Yeah. Yeah. That was like the ultimate like backstab because 
Sandra wanted a fire token, and then Denise needed immunity, but she already had an idol, so she's just like, I'm just going to use this to blindside Sandra, because I don't trust her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like one of the um, disadvantages for Sandra is because she can't do any challenges. Yeah. So there's no way for her to get back in the game, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But the the it was also getting Sandra out was also a win win for Denise because a she gets out Sandra it goes on to her survivor resume, but another mm-hmm. thing is she only gave her one token one four, so she doesn't have to give her the other token she can keep the other token. Mm-hmm. So that was a uh, really smart move by Denise. Um, I also thought it was really funny when um, Adam got voted out. He tried to go to Jeff's podium and try to take the cross off and play it as an idol. Yeah, I thought that was clever, though. Yeah, it was clever, but it was funny at the same time. Yeah, Adam, he's hilarious. <laughs> Some of the stuff he thinks of is just unreal. Yeah. Who do you think was um the underdog coming into this game? Uh, I, think, I think the biggest underdog coming into this game was Nick, because... Out of all the winners, Nick was the most recent, and so he was the newest on the um, roster. And so he didn't know anyone nearly as much as anyone else did. Yeah. I think that was a big disadvantage for Nick. Um, Even though he won one of the best seasons, um, Mm -hmm. David versus Goliath. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at Nick, I mean, he deserved to win that season. He won immunity. He played advantages. Uh, he yeah. blindsided Dan. So, what do you think about um, Natalie? Natalie? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it was really smart for her to use all of her fire tokens to get back into to, to, in the challenge and get back into the game because at that point you're towards the end of the game, so fire tokens aren't going to have as much as input later on because there's not much later on to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really smart of Natalie to do. Um, but yeah, um, I agree with I agreed with Tony when she got in because in the edge of, in the original Edge of Extinction season, Chris came back from the Edge of Extinction and won by taking out Rick Devins in the fire making challenge. Yeah. So Tony saw it coming. Yeah, I feel like Natalie on her part, it was kind of dumb not to step in to do the fire challenge like Chris did. Yeah. Because, like, as you can see, she obviously lost, and if Sarah would have won, Sarah probably would have won, too. So. Yeah. She needed that fire-making challenge to boost her resume because she was just on the edge for pretty much the whole time. Yeah. But I feel like um, one of the reasons um, Tony... Um, got the win was he he knew everything the spy um the spy the spy um, nest spy nest yeah smart move and he also knew like he didn't know that Natalie had the idol but he just had his instincts and he was right pretty much every time he had those instincts yeah like when Natalie got back in the game he's just like Natalie may have an idol but then Sarah was just like no she would tell me. And then it's yeah. so funny seeing Tony just says to Sarah, told you. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like, I, I feel like that was just like one of the things that boosted his resume. Yeah. And the thing was, like, who got on the jury? Who knew about that? Ben got on the jury, for example, and he knew that um, Tony said that, like, oh, Natalie, Natalie may have an idol. And then Ben got on the jury. He's just like, yeah, Tony, you were right. Yeah. I feel like Ben was, like, one of those characters um, that, like, people didn't really like at first. Yeah. I mean, that that was kind of, like, my first impression of him. He seemed like a kind of a douchebag. <laughs> but I feel like as the game moved on, he kind of got better. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I noticed was the um, two Edge of Extinction challenges to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. They were the exact same challenges that they used last year in the Edge of Extinction challenges. Yeah. Like, I, when um, they did the first one, I'm just like, this challenge seems really familiar. Oh, wait, this yeah. was the one Rick Devins used to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rick Devins was just a very entertaining player towards the end of Edge of Extinction season. Yeah, I thought he was like, if he would have won that fire making challenge, he would have gotten every single vote. Yeah. Because, like, one um, tribal, he was just like, oh, I was already, so I was going, already going on. You just want to make me look stupid? And then he immediately plays an idol right after that. And yeah, I, and he also um, did those. He he made fake idols, and he believe and he made people believe that they were real. Yeah, and, and the, it was just so funny seeing him just like laugh so hard in the background. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, what do you think of the fire making challenge? Having, I think it was really like interesting. Because Tony and Sarah were allies throughout the entire game, and now they have to compete against each other for a spot in the final three. Yeah, I thought that was. I don't know. I have. I mean, I feel like it was. Just. It's it's a it's a it's a win lose situation. Yeah. Actually, it's a lose lose situation, because. If you're on an ally, if you if you are going up against an ally, I mean, one of you is going to win, one of you is going to lose. I mean, but what if that one person doesn't have, like, enough on their resume? I mean, they're not going to win. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. And it's like, I didn't – when I first – the first season that I watched Survivor – I didn't really get the point of splitting up allies through the fire-making challenge because that just – if their ally played a good game, that just gives them one vote on the jury. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I was always really confused by using the fire-making challenge to split up allies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A good moment of the season was when Sophie got blindsided with an idol in her pocket. That was a good tribal. Yeah, that was probably the best one. I feel like I feel like she was kind of like controlling the game. She was a very smart player who just like knew like what to do. But I feel like it was just like such a shock to get blindsided by Tony. Yeah. Especially since Tony was working with her, sorta. 
Yeah, but Tony thought that he needed to split up Sophie and Sarah in order to work with Sarah more. So I think Tony made a good move in that. Yeah. I don't think Tony played. I don't think Tony started showing up really until um, the merge happened. Yeah. I feel like he was just kind of like chilling. And then he like, I feel like like he said it in the beginning that he was just going to take it slow in the beginning and then just bolt. You know what I mean? Yeah. What'd you think of the uh, loved one visit? I thought that was great. Yeah. Especially for the edge of extinction. Yeah. People. And like the night after they just like go, everyone on the edge just goes and hugs Jeff. Yeah. But definitely smart. I felt like that was good by Jeff. Yeah. And like, you have to think of this as well. Usually the loved one visit is only like one person. They never do yeah. entire families. Yeah, I feel like that that made it way more special. Yeah. So, what'd you think of the uh, old school players taking out, being taken out first? Did not like it, <laughs> especially since I wanted most of the old school players to win. <laughs> I think it was like a really smart move by the new players, though. Because mm-hmm. multiple players, they played the game a long time ago, or what am, what am I trying to say? They played the game earlier than the new school players. So the old school players had, I don't, I don't want to say more experience. I mean, some had more experience, but like, they knew the game for a longer time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the game has changed so much, like... For a long time, hidden muni aisles did not exist. Yeah, or there was there were hidden muni aisles, but like not many. Yeah, I feel like it was good. It was a good move by the new school people because, um, old school people weren't like um, built into the new into the new game. They didn't have as much as much experience as as the new school players. Yeah, and a great example is. By- is when Boston Rob got out because he just bored Adam and Ben to death. Yeah, because I mean they Boston Rob was with all the new school people when they did the tribe swap. Yeah, which is I, I kind of feel bad for those people because either you get lucky or you get screwed. Yeah, yeah. So, any more thoughts? That you have on the season? What do you think of the people who like got out in kind of kind of towards the end of the game, like Jeremy, Kim, Nick? Um, Jeremy was playing a really um, like he was saying he wasn't playing the best game, um, but he was playing a good game. I mean, he was targeted a bunch of times and he lived through it. He was like a cat with nine lives. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he finally got voted out. I was pulling for Jeremy. Um, I liked Jeremy. Uh, just that, like, I don't really know. I feel like um, Tony kind of saved Jeremy's game, though. 
Yeah, he did. And I feel like one of the reasons that Kim got voted out is because she kind of wanted to get Tony out so badly, but Tony was smart enough to get people to get her out. Yeah. And that's another um, example of Tony playing a great. Yeah. So, this has been fun. Yeah. So, you want to end the podcast here? Sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Montana Corral. So, I think it was a pretty great podcast, not going to lie. Yeah. Carson, what's your thing? The Carson Corral, I have to ask. What is your oh, yeah. The Carson Crow? What the heck is that? Oh, yeah. This is a uh, new podcast I'm doing. Uh, talking about NFL. It's going to be... Re- uh, I'm going to release an episode every Tuesday, pretty much. I like that. That'd be very cool. So now we can go places. I know, right? Crazy times. This is a pretty great episode. Got 2019-20 retrospective coming up in a lot. It's going to be great. Talk about the yearbook Apex Friendship High. Truly um, something special. I haven't seen it yet, but I think it's going to be great. Don't you, Carson? Yeah. So let's be clear. The 2019-20 retrospective is going to be the season finale, right? Yeah. Parting ways for the summer because you know, we do stuff again. Yep. Busy, busy times, right? Yep. You know, I got fast food today, Carson. Wow, you got McDonald's. Uh, yeah, I, I know you texted me about it. McDonald's is so good. It's ha- I would never say this regularly, but McDonald's tasted the best, like, ever. Probably, because when's the last time you've had french fries? The last time I had french fries was March. Um, so I'm do some math here. Let's see. Monday. Monday before March 13th. What was that? That was, um... March 9th, I think. That was March 9th was the last time I had fast food. And now I um, had it again, and it was just so liberating. You know? Yeah. So we'll see you on our 2019 retrospective. Peace out. Have a good one. And yeah. See you later. That's all I got. Don't, don't, uh, don't, um, it's like a joke. It's not coming to me. Don't podcast like Carson. And definitely don't podcast like me. Bye. Bye.